The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Have you suffered from problems with allergies, attention, anxiety? And you realize it got worse when you were connected to people who are not doing well? Have you ever had problems with depression, addiction, weight getting haywire when you seem to be worrying about the people's pain around you? If you've ever had problems with your health, today's your day because we're going to discuss being empathic and sensitive without getting sick. In today's world, it's very common for people to say they're empathic and sensitive and everybody thinks that's a great thing. However, is it possible to be empathic and sensitive without feeling sick? We're going to help you today. Today's show is going to change your life. It's going to teach your mind, body, and medical intuitive solutions to keeping your sensitivity and intuitive, your intuition, but not being miserable because of it. We're taking your calls, 816-251-3555 within the U.S. and Canada. But remember, UnityOnlineRadio.org is live, live every Wednesday for this show, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, you can get the show on your favorite podcast provider as well. Or you want to join the live show, that's great too. But you can join the show live with a question every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. So I have a friend who's like a sister to me. Whenever I would say, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't understand their suffering, suffering. She would go, Mona Lisa, very patiently. She's a hairstylist. And they spend a lot of time at the head listening to people's problems. Very intuitive group of people. She say, Mona Lisa, don't lose yourself in the process of helping people. Hmm. I can understand that. The thing is, you know how this feels. You're sitting there and you're listening. You're listening very closely to what they're saying. And it's not exactly like you're a therapist. You know how they go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Tell me more about that. 
you might say those things like, I feel for you. And literally you do. They're talking about how they went to South America, drank the water and started getting throwing up. And you're like, all of a sudden you start getting like this heaving feeling. And literally you are feeling for them. Because that's actually what empathy is. There's an area in our brain, the mirror neurons, that's connected to the insula, which gives us a capacity when we bond to try to feel what they're feeling, uh, to, to try to put oneself in one's other person's shoe, shoes, plural. And then, of course, that area is connected to the amygdala and the areas in the limbic system that's important for intuition. So you see that there is a very big connection between empathy, relationships, and intuition. The only problem is those areas are also about anxiety and worry and compulsion. So as I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? They're going to get sick. I can't, what can I do to prevent this? You're feeling and you're putting yourself in their life. You're putting yourself in your life. And next thing you know, it's like you're being swallowed up by quicksand. Because your thoughts are no longer your own. I'm sure everybody has seen on TV when a person's walking through, I don't know, is it Africa there's quicksand? I don't even know what quicksand is. It feels like it's not quick because when you go into it, it's slowly you're getting swallowed in, but it's terrifying to watch. And so it sucks you in. And that's possible with a lot of overly empathic people. It's like stepping into quicksand. You have one foot in the sand and one foot in your own life. And if you lean forward too much into that person's life and pain, you lose your emotional footing and you fall in. And no longer are you keeping track of your own life, your finances, your diet, your time. Oh my God, it's late. I got to pick up the kids. Oh my God, I lost track of time. Oh my God. You've lost track of your life. You're falling deep in. You're getting sucked in. And though that may be wonderful every once in a while, if you lose your emotional footing and more and more of your life gets sucked into other people, you're literally doing what my friend Liz says, you lose yourself in the process of helping. In that sense, getting swallowed up in the quicksand of empathy will not do well with your body. What is, how do you know that your empathy is swallowing you up? There are a variety of ways in which you know that your system is overly sensitized to other people's suffering, so much so that it's hard for you to maintain balance. One, 
We have trouble with divided attention. In school, it was hard for you to focus on what the teacher was saying and also people in the back of the room or someone next to you who was suffering or somebody at home or whatever. You couldn't keep someone else's suffering at bay. So you lost track, you got in trouble, your grades suffered. And from some time to time, we might have extraordinary circumstances, but it's not good when this happens. I, in fact, got an F grade in second grade for this. You know, this is before they knew this was ADHD. I was told that I finished my work impulsively and sloppy, and that I was overly concerned with the problems and the people in the back of the room, which, of course, I couldn't see. I intuited them, didn't know it was intuition, just was kind of aware that there was something going on back there. Incidentally, I was put in the front row. I wonder why. So your distractibility, you'll lose track of time. You'll be always constantly running late. You'll overspend and overgive your stuff to people around you. Attention. Two, environmental sensitivity. Your immune system and adrenal gland epinephrine is so reactive. It's constantly putting out cortisol and epinephrine, cortisol and epinephrine to the point where you'll get allergies, infections, allergies, infections, allergies, infections. And the cortisol will go to the nearby pancreas and you'll gain weight. And then someone, of course, will say your adrenal fatigue. I wonder why. Because literally, you will carry the suffering of the people around you. In fact, the work of Salvador Mnuchin shows that in a family, your sensitivity, you are the sensitive one. The majority of the cortisol, when there's a problem, people aren't talking about it, will go in your body. You'll be more likely to have digestive problems, IBS, Crohn's disease, colitis, eating disorders, obesity, weight problems, anorexia, diabetes. Sound familiar? Check. Next. Then, of course, there is panic and autonomic nervous system. And that's because of the area for intuition and autonomic nervous system inextricably related. The amygdala connects to areas in your brainstem that influence sympathetic and parasympathetic. So when you pick up someone's pain, it goes down to the sympathetic nervous system, the adrenal gland epinephrine, and your blood pressure may go up and your heart races and you might have be shortness of breath or whatever, and your bowel may change. And then when you go from a lying down to a standing up position, you may feel faint. And someone might say that you have autonomic dystrophy, dizziness, vertigo, faint feeling. And then, of course, panic feeling and heart racing. The area for intuition, empathy, is very much connected to the area for empathy. And then the next one is hormonal. Because those two areas connect to the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus is like the clock for all the hormones. And if you notice, when you went through puberty, your porousness or sensitivity or empathy got 
much worse. I remember when I was in the eighth grade and I just got my period, I would cry all the time and was worried about so much. They sent me to the guidance counselor. Remember when they called the person the guidance counselor rather than it was the psychologist, like they were giving you guidance. And he would told me, you can't be this. Oh, my God, I just dropped the thing. You can't be this sensitive because you will never survive through life. Now, that makes complete sense because that's what I do with my life is be sensitive. Suffice it to say, it does affect health, and I've had health problems. The first time my father lost his job and my mother got really upset, my spine curved 120 degrees. I want you to think if you're empathic the first time in your family there was a serious problem, and how did your body react? That lets you know that you have the stigmata of empathy. And then finally, sleep. Do you have a disordered sleep? Do you sleep too much? Do you sleep not enough? Do you have problems falling asleep or staying asleep? Any one of those things. Because the area for empathy and intuition affects sleep. And then, of course, addiction. Because once you have your keyed in to someone else's suffering, and you can see, feel, hear, and and sense their pain. We try to medicate the part of us that we can't handle. And so whether it's alcohol, food, smoking, people tend to block the reverie going in their head. Then, of course, depression and anxiety. One of the prompting events of depression is that you're around somebody else who's depressed. And one of the prompting events of anxiety is someone else around you should be anxious, but they're not. Then, of course, you get lost in the rescuing. Because sooner or later, people find out, oh, you you know ahead of time what's wrong. And you're very effective at stopping it because anxious people figure out ahead of time what's going on and they become very responsible and effective. So you attract people who are very dependent and want you to solve their problems. And that feels great. And you learn you're not lovable unless you're needed. So you become addicted to rescuing. It elevates your mood. It lessens your anxiety. And next thing you know, you are, they're dependent. And you are codependent. And that last but not least, in your selflessness of empathy, you find out that the people that you tend to meet, you give, give, give. They take, take, take. And the few times that you have a need and you suffer, oh, my God, they lose it. And then someone says, you know, you attract a lot of narcissists. Empathic people attract narcissists because there's something about it. You are hypersensitive, they're insensitive. You are very empathic, they're under-empathic. And the key is you need to learn to be less sensitive. You need to learn to be effectively sensitive. That means... You don't run amok. 
you don't lose yourself in the process of helping someone. Because if you get lost in quicksand, quick you get lost in quicksand, who's going to help people? I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we're talking about being empathic and sensitive without getting sick. If you want to know more about the solutions to today's show, you want to go to my Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, or Twitter, Dr. Mona Lisa 2. If you can't get through today on the lines, you can call, go on my www.drmonalisa.com website, www.drmonalisa.com, and try to get a private one or two hour reading. If you want to learn how to do medical intuition or learn how to heal mind, body, and soul with medical intuition, I every year in July, I have a seven day class, seven day class where you learn about how to do a medical intuitive reading and how to heal mind, body, and soul with it. And all, also how to manage your empathy so that it's healthier for you. We'll go to line one. Maria, I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I, in keeping with the topic, I feel that sometimes I'm being affected by other people's energy and cords and that it's really hard for me to function and, and I feel drained with stomach and depression creeping in. Someone also recently committed suicide that I knew of and I have problems functioning during the daylight. I'm more effective at night when everything's kind of calmed down. And I'm just trying to figure Let out what go, else wait I minute, can... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maria, how old are you? 46. When I look at your life, the first thing I see is a problem in a family. Family that's supposed to make us feel safe and secure and give us a sense of belonging. But in your family, I saw a problem where I want to know where is the parents. I have a hard time seeing a mother-like figure. I don't know where they are. If there was a mother, that person's not doing very well. They either have depression, anxiety, sadness, whatever it is, that person, everything around them, it was out of their hands. And so you learned intuitively how to key in to the problems around you. But you also learned, unfortunately, that Life at times was inescapably stressful. And there wouldn't be somebody there for you to land on, who wouldn't be behind you to lean on. Who was the person at home who wasn't really the most nurturing of people? Everybody. Both my parents were. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She helped. She was nurturing in terms of cooking food, but not to go to, to speak to emotionally or get advice from. And your father? Um, he physically existed, and that's 
pretty much it. Did you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Um, they, in turn, also became um, helpful in certain ways because I couldn't, because of illnesses and health issues, pay my bills at a certain point. But that resentment turned into more abuse from them. Now, wait a minute. Who had problems with addiction in your family growing up? Nobody did. Um, They just were never educated, um, even at some of the most basic levels. And so we're very dependent. How far did they go through school? Um, Third and fourth grade, I think. Something to not respect. Your mother and father went as far as the third and fourth grade? Mm Mm-hmm. So... One was born here, one was not born here in America. Where were they born? Uh, One was born in Europe, and due to the passing of her mother when she was a child, she took on the role of mother to her siblings as the eldest and the only girl. And then my father... I get it. We never so really. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So your mother took care of all of the kids in her family growing up. Mm-hmm. People like that are frequently worn out mm-hmm. by the time they have their kids. Do you understand? Yes. The other thing Judgment. is, the other thing is, did she encourage you with school? I think so. That's why she came to America and had allowed us to live here. And that was her. She told me later that she she came here so that we could go to the schools here. Can you tell me what part of Europe? Greece. Your problem is the first center. This has to do with families that make us feel safe and secure and give us a sense that we belong, are supported, and have a say. The thing is, is that somehow your extreme sensitivity makes you feel like you become the repository in the family for negativity. There's such a thing as a scapegoat. Believe it or not, I think it's on Yom Kippur, they took out two goats. And the idea is to take everybody else, everybody's sins and, in a way, release them once a year. So they have the, the good goat and they have the bad goat. The rabbi puts his hands on the goat, and the idea is to transfer the sins of everybody onto this head of this goat. And when he's done that, symbolically, he throws the goat off the cliff which is the equivalent of throwing someone under the bus. You've heard that phrase before. Yeah. So in some families, if they're not very, oh, I don't know. A lot of families do this anyway. They tend to pick someone who's unique or different. In animals, it's the runt of the litter. They pick someone who's different sensitive or has some unique quality 
and they make them the cause of everything. Because if we make this person the problem, then we can put it in that little box over there. Do you understand? And usually there is something different about that person. Animals will pick the run of the litter and they'll beat them up. It's animalistic behavior, but we would wish that humans had gone beyond being an animal. Do you understand? Yeah. The thing is, I guess the word I would use is crude. And though your mother has a good heart, your unique sensitivity, you don't know how to turn it on or turn it off. And it sounds like your sisters can go out in the world and have something called a facade. I never knew what a facade was, but it's like putting on a raincoat over empathy. It can set it aside so you can walk around the world and not be bothered by people's pain. You can walk past a homeless person and not wince. Do you understand? Yeah. You can watch those commercials where the animals are starving and they're singing, Sarah McLaughlin is singing, in the arms of an angel. You can, the animals are going, Arr! and you just listen to that and you just, because you feel the animal's pain. It's impossible to listen to those commercials. Some people sit there and they just eat chips and it doesn't even bother them. I just can't believe it. And I never accommodate to it. Every time the commercial comes on, every time it bothers me. Do you follow me? Yes. There is a thing in the frontal lobe that you do. It's called the glabellar test. And kids and people develop the frontal lobe. Oh, I don't know, starting at more four, five, or six. And the way you know it is you tap on the person's forehead and at first they blink and they blink again and they blink again. But eventually, if you keep tapping, they stop blinking. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that it's like getting a hood, a lid of protection over someone's sensitivity or some aversion in the environment. You just accommodate to it. But I never accommodate to it. And people who are empathic never do. They feel it every single time. They never stop blinking. I want you to hold on, okay? When we come back, we're going to talk about what you can do about if empathy and sensitivity makes you sick. You're listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa.
for listening to Healthy Living Intuitively. Today's show has been dedicated to being empathic and having difficulty with empathy. We've learned that there are several signs that you are empathic. You may be having troubles with attention, panic, your autonomic nervous system, heart rate, breathing may at times give you problems, may have problems with fatigue, environmental sensitivities, allergies, hormonal symptoms, sleep, addiction, depression, anxiety, want to rescue everybody, and then attract narcissists. If this is you, if you've checked at least, oh, I don't know, there are 14 of them, 10 or 11 of them, sit down, take a breath, and this is for you. The first thing is take a mindfulness training program so that you can learn wise minds. It's a DBT skill where you can learn to observe, describe, allow when there's somebody having problems with you and you get anxious. Balance right brain emotion and intuition with left brain logical thoughts, but not rescue. Then learn to emotionally regulate or balance, keep your emotional footing between anxiety, worry, and anger when the people whose pain you pick up don't want to change. And then D or man is a DBT skill. D is in dog, B is in boy, T is in tomahawk. I've taught it and I've taken it. So people have a history of trauma, abuse, and have difficulty with being in families and being invalidated, abused, and so on will teach you how to say something in a group, family, and so on. Even if they've invalidated or not listened to you and told you you were too sensitive. And then above everything, it will teach you radical acceptance. Teach you how to tolerate the presence. Understand to accept at times something that doesn't feel fair, right, or just. To understand the difference between willingness to accept what is, which doesn't mean it's good, doesn't mean it's fair, but sometimes accepting is the only way of su- out of suffering for everybody. And the opposite is willfulness, trying to change everything. We're going to go back to Maria. Are you there, Maria? Are you there? Yes. The first thing I want you to do is I want to make sure that you stabilize your brain. Because people with your history of trauma and validation also tend to be porous or sensitive. So I want you to talk to your practitioner about taking DHA, D as in dog, H as in horse, A as in apple. A thousand milligrams three times a day. Don't forget to ask your practitioner. It will help insulate your feelings from someone else's and stabilize your mood so they're less reactive. It will also help with focus and attention. The second thing is you really need to help support depression, anxiety, with not just supplements and medicines, but a form of cognitive behavioral therapy called DBT. 
It's good for you people who've had a history of trauma, then in families that told them that they were wrong, like invalidating, which is what I'm talking about with you, but also it will teach you how to talk to your sisters and your family with the right skill so that you know how to accept what is. And then last but not least, you learn a trade, learn a skill that can utilize your unique form of empathy in a grounded way. Because if you don't learn skills with your left brain on how to handle right brain empathy, the empathy goes down into your body. So having structure, that will help. Good luck, Maria, okay? You take it easy. Okay, we will thank go, you. Thank you. We'll go to Danny, line two. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. Hi. How can I be of help? Hi, Dr. Mona Lisa. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm so excited that you're here talking to us because I have be, my empathic ability is starting to uh, be a little overwhelming. I am feeling everything and everybody, and uh, what I've also noticed is that it's starting to affect my body a little bit. By I let me go through. Let me go. Right, but, 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 but don't say anything. Ah, when okay, I look at sorry. you, I see that. No, don't worry about it. When I look at you, I see a person who works very hard on their health. I see that you used to see everybody in their most positive light, and that's going away. I don't know why that is. I think the scale, the, the your relationship cataract is going away. Um, I see someone in your life who you've been hurt by. The cold, distant, and at times very critical. And you're tired of it. There's somehow this person has said things to you that don't feel fair. And it's eroded your self-worth and self-esteem. And somehow you're trying to have, you've been trying to have a relationship with this person. And you realize that someone is interfering. Who do you live with, Danny? I have, I live with. Um, my wife, two stepchildren, and my developmentally delayed daughter. How long but have you been married? Go ahead. I've been. I well, I was just going to say I'm not a hundred percent sure that I resonate with what you're saying. That doesn't mean it's not right. I might be blocking it. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Who are you? Um, how long have you been married? I've been married now seven years. How old are you? Stepchildren. Uh, they are 18 and 16. How old were they when they moved? You moved in. Nine and ten. Their daughters. Uh, one, the the elder one is a is a son. The younger one is a daughter. I guess boy and girl. Do you usually see someone in their highest potential and put a blind eye to their difficult side? Um, yes. Okay. So there may be a chance that you're doing this now. Okay. Empathic people do that. Yeah. They have what I call a relationship cataract. 
you know, cataracts like that thing in your eye. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they take a laser and they get that rid of that film. Everybody knows what it's like when you have a contact lens and you get schmutz there. Schmutz is Yiddish for... <laughs> I know what schmutz is. Schmutz. <laughs> so you got to get the contact lens out and then clean out the schmutz and put it back in. And you go, oh, my God, the room looks different. You know what I mean? Right. So it's quite so possible if, that you if, see if things. I, if, there were, if you were to be... If anybody who was not you, who was much more critical, would look at your life, who would the person be that they thought could be kinder to you? Um, I think a lot of that was way in the past. I don't think there's much of it in the present. Maybe. Who was it, maybe, who was it, who was in the past? I had an affair 35 years ago, and the woman sued me and sued the community I was a part of. Oh, for God's sakes. Wait wait a minute. (laughs) Jesus, mother of God. Listen. (laughs) Give me for God's sakes. Go for it. Danny, I love you more than my luggage. Remember me saying (laughs) I saw you having to try to have a relationship with a third person interfered? Yes. Okay. At first, you saw these people in their highest potential and put a blind eye, and then the scales fell. Yes. And yes. you realized they were treating you quite, this person was treating you quite poorly. Yeah, yeah. How long were you I, in that spiritual, wait a minute, how long were you in that spiritual community? Uh, 20 years. Nice. So that's, and you are 65. So that's, yeah. and, and I might add, okay, I got my calculator here. Okay, I'll make a little noise. Okay, let's just say you became an adult at 20. So 65 okay. minus 20 goes, you brings you to a ripe old age of 45, okay? okay. 45 relationship years as an adult. That means okay. 20 of those years divided by 45 equals, Jesus. 20 divided by 45 equals 44.4% of your relationship life was in that that spiritual group. 44. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, 50% of your adult, 50% of your adult life was there. Yes. So you understand that if you have a, 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 let's just say a barrel of apples, right? Yep. And 50% of them are rotten. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a okay. lot of apples <laughs> to dilute the experience of that smell. Right. But 50% of it was not rotten. 50% I know that, but the ending was. Uh... The part that you, wait a minute, the part that you want to focus on is the part you put a blind eye to the difficult side. How did it end? You were having an affair. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. I had an affair and... Wait a minute. Were you married? Yes, yes. Yes, I was married. I know. Usually that is an affair, but I just had to clear it up. Right. You were married. No, that's all right. You, totally you were married. You were in this community and you had an affair. Was your wife right. in the community? Yes. Okay. She's in the community. You have an affair. And the woman you had the affair was, was how was she related 
to the community? She was in the community also. Okay. And how did it come out that you were having an affair? Um, I was a major uh, advocate against affairs. And Perfect. she walked and she walked by me, but when she walked by me, she didn't walk by me. She actually walked through me. And I believe that some of her DNA remained in me and some of my DNA remained in her. And so we tried to fight it off because I was, I was not somebody, I spoke, I spoke purposefully against people having affairs. But when the, this came through me and in me, there was nothing I could do and nothing she could do to prevent it. I understand that. So that's fine. That's okay. So you had an affair and then how did people find out about it? Um, I, we, she ended up being the key in the door to sue the founder of the community and me and, and other women came up to say the founder of the community had had affairs with them. Okay. So perfect. So this particular person had a cash day. She had a cash date. Right. And so did you get, did you have to pay? Uh, they ended up finding me in fault for $30,000. and Okay. So you paid $30,000. And I yeah, assume you had a lot of... That. They what? They excused that because they weren't really after me. I understand that. Didn't matter. But you were found yeah. guilty. I was but found... You had a negligent. judgment... You were found negligent. I found, I, I found a judgment. I, there was a judgment against me for $30,000. Okay. But they said I that's, should have known better. Okay. My point is that stays with a person. Yes. I, I, I agree with you there. You are I'm very 100% in, a, sent, in alignment. You are a very sensitive person. Yes. Empathic people remember the few times they did something wrong. Yes. They feel they remember I, every time they did something wrong. Yes, that makes more sense. In fact, on neuropsychological assessments, usually people with this type of brain are too honest. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of Fibonowskis or white lies or whatever that make a person more socially adaptive. If you were too honest, you're not socially adaptive and you yeah. end up being a scapegoat and people who yeah. are empathic when they look at someone they want to tell the absolute truth because they feel it, i can't even begin to tell you <laughs> i remember the times that i've lied i feel terrible yeah i can't even begin to tell you it's maladaptive yeah so on the neuropsych eval the lady looks at me and she goes you are remarkably <laughs> honest. And I happen to know what that means, which means cuchadinga, which in Portuguese means poor thing. My point is, is being that you are a very rule-abiding, empathic, honest person that stuck with you. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I felt like I, one, of the, one of the best characters traits I had was my integrity. And right, and to have a to have even to have a judgment against you after five uh, for five dollars would have been enough. But then yeah, I just thought you, I, I didn't even have to have a judgment. I just knew I did something wrong. But then you lose. I know, but I'm saying. Thing. But then you lose first center, and this is family. But then you lose seventh center, which is a spiritual connection with a family, mm -hmm. and that's your basic bleep sandwich. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's because families that are that close in spiritual groups messes up the first and the seventh center. And it's I don't know what the first and seventh center are. But... First is family, seventh is spirituality. Oh, I Intentional I communities, which of course your wife was in. Yeah, that's everything. what we were. Right. So then you lose your first center family, second center wife, seventh center spiritual connection. Did your work involve, were you, did your career, was it wrapped up in that group? Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so then first family, second money, second marriage, third work, and seventh spirituality. So that's four out of seven centers. You know what that is? I love calculators. That's <laughs> four divided by seven. That means in that one fell swoop, you lost 57% or 60% of your life. Yeah. Devastating. That's called putting your sixty percent of my life or sixty percent of the meaning I gave my life. Six how can you cut it with a thinner or thicker knife? It's the same. It's called okay, putting all but, of your yeah. eggs in one basket. So that it has a huge capacity to affect you going forward. You have to have a whole new life. So can I so say I something you, to you at this point? Because you're, you're really spot on. Do you, do you have time for me to... to but you to told me, you told me at the beginning, I have to read your body, so hold on a second. But you told me that you didn't... What's interesting is you've dissociated this. Yeah, I didn't understand. This, I know, no, I don't understand. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, you're foolish. I'm just saying to no, handle... You sound foolish. No, you're not foolish, though. Empathic people, <laughs> when they feel so much pain, they dissociate it. It goes into yeah. their body. When they feel someone yeah. else's pain so seriously, it goes into their body. And when they feel their yeah. own pain seriously, it goes into their body. Yeah. I look at your head. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I look at your head. At times, I see a problem with focus, attention. I see something different with one of your ears. I don't think you have a problem with, I think other people complain of a kind of acuity. And either you'll say that the room is too loud, people, too many people are talking, there's a problem with acoustics, you'll have a reason for it. It feels like it's your left ear. Huh. It's either auditory attention or something like that. I look at your neck, I look at your thyroid. I see a mild change of range of motion in your neck. I look at your heart. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast, esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder. Somebody around you, there's addiction. I wonder if it ran in your family. I can't figure out if it's alcohol, prescription medicines. There's something. And you react an extreme opposite to it. I see a red dotted pattern in your esophagus and stomach. I can't figure out if you have excess acid. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder. I look at your prostate. I see increased susceptibility of having calcifications. I see an increased susceptibility of having problems with testosterone levels. I look at the joints in your hands, wrists. I feel stiffness, stiffness yeah. and rigidity in your hands and wrists, a kind of shakiness. 
I feel a forward tilt in your posture. I see a white dust or powder between the vertebrae in your neck and lower back. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Um, yeah, I just my right now in particular. Yes. Okay. So first of all, you're spot on. I so appreciate you and thank you so much. The moment I told my wife about the affair all those years ago, I put on 50 pounds like the Santa Claus, you know, have you ever seen the movie, the Santa Claus uh, effect or what? Like there was a minute he discovered the card, he became, he gained gained 50 pounds and became like Santa Claus. That happened to me overnight. Before that, I was running uh, 48 miles a week and going to the gym seven days a week and lifting weights and bench pressing to 365 pounds. You put insulation around you when you tried to hide. Keep going. What else? And now what's happening is I put on probably another 50 pounds because of all of the, of how much I'm feeling. I'll, I'll Listen, be walking you down have to be very, you have to be very careful with something about your digestive tract. Yes, that's your what's going pancreas. on. That's where the, Go ahead. That's where, so right now what's happening is I'll have, I can barely eat any, I can't eat anything but, but uh, raw foods right now. When I eat anything other than raw foods, my, my system tightens up. It feels like there's something I just need to let go of. You have to go to a gastroenterologist, you have to go to a gastroenterologist, but you have to really go to someone who knows cognitive behavioral therapy and or hypnotism to help you with your past. Because ever since that problem, your self-esteem, weight, and sense of responsibility, you've you've tortured yourself. Can you please tell me what people say about your hearing? Um, uh, I my I don't I maybe that I have selective hearing would be the worst thing they would say, but sometimes I just don't hear as well. Um, but I think I I the other thing that I I just have to share with you is honestly. I feel happier than I've ever felt in my whole life, except I just don't, my body doesn't function the right way. I, I can't. Because the I don't thing is, is I know you feel happier, but. Seriously, I feel happy. I know, but, but my, you're heavier. My, yeah. And, and your digestion. Bone on, my meats have bone on bone arthritis. Right. You're, there's a lot of a dust. I called it white dust. I don't give diagnoses. Yes. You know, we're not having a physician patient relationship, right? I talked yes, about it in absolutely. terms of dust. What's the story with your hands? My hands are just, sometimes they'll go numb. Sometimes they're just tense and tight. I have pain throughout most of my body. Because you have a lot of joint problems. I want you, first of all, go to an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist after you've gone to a great internalist about what you can do with your arthritis. But then I want you to go to a, um, cardiologist to check out your heart because that's a lot of weight. Just, I am. We're doing all that. And my heart's fine. Okay, and then I want you to go to a gastroenterologist. I, have high blood pressure. I mean, my heart's that, fine. I know. I, I knew it wasn't. Pressure. I know. Right. And okay. then I want you to go to a gastroenterologist to look for, at your digestive tract from the top down and from the bottom up because okay. it's there's something not right there. But you, this okay. is from 20 years ago because, as you said, as soon as you left your weight ballooned out and it stayed yeah. that way. So what happened 20 years ago 
shall we say symbolically, is still almost 30, 35 years ago. Whatever it is, is still with you. Yeah. Can I cure? Can I like I want? I'm trying to eat now really clean, and I'm really trying to work on my mental. You're going. Processes. I want you. To, you can't. I can't do this. You have to have somebody help you. Okay. But one last question. Yes, ma'am. Do you have a spiritual practice now? Absolutely. What is it? I I meditate. I haven't. I've been meditating for forty five years. I haven't missed a day of meditation in forty five years. But in that community, was it just meditation or was it something else? Uh, it was mainly meditation. That's okay. what I did. I was a monk. I was a monk for ten years there also. But a monk isn't just meditation. Um, it was for me, that's what my practice was. I mean, my practice was karma yoga service to other people. Uh, there, we did yoga postures, but I didn't do those that much, that much. My practice was, I did a lot of meditation. I would meditate 12, 14, 18 hours a day. So you are truly very sensitive. Yeah. And meditation, when you're doing meditation, there's a book called why God won't go away. When you meditate, you change your right parietal lobe, right brain, so that the sensation that we are separate, it changes it to you and I are one. Yes. And, and I wrote a book about all that. It's called, I wrote a book called The Mosaic, which is all about the fact that we are all connected. Right. You're going to have to, because if you have shame like this, shame affects the digestive tract. Okay? Yeah, I have shame. Yeah. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You've been Thank listening you so to much. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.